Good morning, Grace Church. It's so great to see you. We're glad you're here. Welcome to those joining us online. We just love to gather as the body of Christ and worship and seek him together. We just feel like it is vital for us in our walk with Christ to be together, to seek him together, and to come together in unity. There's nothing more powerful than that. We're glad you are here. We had an incredible message last week from Pastor Aaron about the vision here at Grace Church and what God is doing in and through us and how he is moving. Just powerful. If you missed that, make sure you check that out on our podcast. You can watch that message um, from last week anytime. And, and so make sure you listen to that. He gave us some great challenges last week because at this time that we are at right now, we truly believe that God's church is alive. It is alive. It is growing. And God is using it powerful in this time, in this moment. We truly believe here at Grace Church that God's church is the hope of the world. We truly believe that. And so last week, we actually did a reverse offering where we gave out money to you. We put it in your hands so that you could go in the community and touch people's lives and to, to bring hope and to bring help to those who are truly in need. And so we cannot wait to hear the stories of how that went for you and who you were able to help and, and how God used you powerfully. So make sure you turn those stories into us. You can go to gracechurch.life and just click on contact us. We want to hear. We want to hear how God used you. We want to hear how you made an impact with that money that we put in your hands. And so we truly believe that God's church is here to help those around us in our community and to change someone's life. And Pastor Aaron also talked to us about the circle of five. And so that is five people that is in your personal circle of relationships, maybe your neighbors, your coworkers, some family, some of your good friends, that circle of five. We want you praying for them. We want you ministering to them. And we want to hear those stories of awesome life change that God is doing through you. So make sure that you share that and, and help those around you. And maybe you used that money to buy someone's groceries. Maybe you used it to get somebody lunch. Or maybe you helped fill someone's tank up with gas. Because we all have needs, right? And we've been in that situation ourselves, right? Have you ever been in that situation yourself where maybe... You are driving and your low fuel light comes on and you suddenly have this feeling of desperation like, I need gas and I need it right now. We've, we've been there, right? I don't know how many of you are those low fuel light drivers when your low fuel light comes on. Raise your hand. If you're, if you're one of those, you drive, yep, yep. That's me, you know, where that, that thing in your car tells you how many miles you have to empty, right? I, I've been on zero before. <laughs> it's not fun. It's not a good place to be, right? That is a feeling of desperation, if there ever was one. Where's the this gas station? Please, fumes, keep, keep making my car run, right? But maybe for you, maybe you've been desperate at different times. Maybe for you, it's when you're hungry. Maybe that's you. Is there any of you here that would say, yeah, I'm one of those, I get hangry, I get hangry, anyone? Yep, yep, we got some people that get hangry, man. When you're hungry, you got to have food, and you've got to have it now, or you're just feeling desperate, right? I know what that's like. I'm 
raising some teenage boys, and so I hear that a lot in my house. If there is not food right now, there are some desperate cries coming out in my house. So I get that as well. And but maybe, maybe you're here and, and you're single, and no, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. <laughs> but maybe you are in a place where you would just desperately want to find that person to spend your life with. And, but you don't necessarily want to come off desperate, but you really are, are trying to find that person. And all these commercials for Match.com are coming on, and you've always thought to yourself, man, they've got to be really desperate if they're signing up for Match.com. And then all of a sudden, there you are, signing up for Match.com, right? I mean, we've all felt some desperation in our lives at different times. And so those are a little more lighthearted moments of desperation, right? But I think some of us have probably even faced significant moments of desperation. And, you know, one of those could be a physical issue you've had. Maybe you've physically been so ill that you have just been desperate for relief, right? I know I've, I've been there. I've had a moment in my life where I suddenly had intense, intense pain in my body, and I had no idea what was going on. And I thought I may have a major, major problem. And, and you're in that moment right of this intense pain, and, and you're going, I got to get to the hospital. Something is terribly wrong, and you can't even function. You're screaming in pain, right? Anybody had a moment like that? And I did, and I rushed to the ER and sat in the waiting room, screaming and wailing out in pain as embarrassing as it was I just that that's how intense the pain was and I'm screaming and wailing out in pain and nobody seems to really care that much um, there are more serious issues than mine apparently so I had to wait I had to wait and wait and wait and screaming in pain right well I think they kind of figured it must have been a kidney stone which is what it was uh, but I didn't know, and nobody told me. So <laughs> to me, I, I was pretty desperate. When you are in that much physical pain, you are desperate for it to stop immediately, right? Moments of desperation. De desperation it feels very uncomfortable, doesn't it? Well, God uses discomfort and pain in our lives to bring change. He uses that to bring change in our life. And sometimes we are in these desperate situations and it's causing us so much pain and so much grief and we just want relief, immediate relief from it right now. But it's often in these times of pain and discomfort that causes us to cry out to God in desperation. It's those moments that can cause us to cry out to God in desperation and we suddenly find ourselves just crying out in, with desperate prayers before God. Maybe you've prayed one of those. Oh God, oh God, if you will just take this from me, if you will just remove this from my life, I promise I will. Oh God, oh God, if you would just do this one thing for me, if you could just do this one thing, I promise, I promise I will go to church every week. I promise I will read my Bible and pray. I promise I'll be nice to those people. Have you ever prayed one of those prayers? So this morning I want to talk to you 
about praying desperate prayers. I know um, if you're a parent of a teenager, I am sure you have prayed many, many desperate prayers. Uh, I know because I'm a parent of, a te- of two teenagers. Um, and so I'm sure you have prayed many desperate prayers. Parents of teenagers, man, we, we are in this crazy place in life where they are trying to you know, pull away from us and get, get their freedoms and do these things that they want to do and, and just get out on their own right. And we are just praying desperately, oh God, God be with them. We have to like let them go and, and let, you know, lose control and, and we just have to let them go. And that's a tough place to be, right? We're praying desperate prayers. I don't know about you, but there were some desperate prayers sitting in my own vehicle in the passenger seat while my child is driving. Those are some desperate prayers, people. Desperate. Oh, God, please don't let us crash. Oh, God, keep this car on the road. Uh, those are some desperate prayers, right? I know you, you can relate if you're raising teenagers or the late nights, right? The late nights sitting outside of their rooms with your face in the carpet, just praying and crying out for their hearts, for God to be with them, right? For them to to follow him, right? Those are desperate prayers. Maybe some of you have been praying desperate prayers for our nation right now. I know that I have, and Pastor Aaron and I have, and I know many of you have. We're just, we're praying desperate prayers for our nation right now, and so this is absolutely a time that we should be doing that. We should be crying out to God for our nation in desperate prayers. But when we're praying those prayers, we need to make sure that we are praying God's agenda, not our agenda, right? When we're praying those desperate prayers for our nations, our prayers should be, oh God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh God, unite our hearts as a nation to love like Jesus loved. We're praying desperate prayers right now, aren't we? But just because we're praying desperate prayers doesn't mean we're going to see immediate relief. It doesn't mean that God is going to suddenly change everything for us. But that doesn't mean we don't pray them. Because there are things that God wants us to learn during these times. He wants us to learn some things. Desperation brings us to a new level of dependence on God. Desperation is good. It is a good thing. You may have felt it in your life and said, well, I don't understand how you can say that's good. It feels awful. It feels terrible. I hate that. When you're talking about our spiritual walk, there is no better place for us to be than in a place of desperation. It causes us to rely on God. It causes us to cry out to him. It causes us to stop relying on our own strength and drawing on the strength of God, which is exactly where we should be. It's exactly where we should be. And so if you're in a place where you're saying, God, I need you, I can't do this, that is a good place to be. Or if you're saying, God, I just, I have no more hope, and so I'm coming to you, the one that is hope, 
that is a good place to be. So I want to tell you this morning that you can choose desperation or life and circumstances will choose it for you. So I don't know about you, but I want to be in a place where I am choosing desperation. I'm going to choose to be desperate. I'm not going to allow life and circumstances to drive me to that place. I am going to choose to be desperate because that is exactly where God wants us to be. So today we're going to look at a few components of desperate prayers as we're crying out in our desperate prayers before God. And the first thing is that desperate prayers require devotion to God. Requires devotion. Are you just praying desperate prayers before God in the moment of your despair, in the moment of that pain and that situation you want relief from? Is that the only time that you are crying out to God in desperation? It shouldn't be. We should be crying out to God in desperation out of our devotion to him, out of choosing him, right? Because being devoted to God is putting him first. It's a lifestyle that we choose. We choose to be devoted to him in every day, in every moment. We choose that. And so we choose to put him first. We can't be living our own way and be devoted to God. Because being devoted to God is choosing desperation. It tells us in Matthew 6.33, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So God has to be first in our life. He has to be first in our life. If you are truly desperate for God, then you've made the changes in your life that reflect that. So I want to ask you, does your life reflect that God is first? Does your prayer life reflect that God is first? And you might be saying this morning, you know, I'm just, I'm just so desperate for God to move in my life. Well, have you put him first? You might be saying, well, I'm just so desperate for God to move in my finances. Well, have you put him first in your finances? See, devotion to God is putting him first and keeping him first in your life. It's choosing that desperation in every area of our life. There was a man in scripture named David, and he was incredible. You've heard the story about him, I'm sure. He was that young boy that, that used his slingshot to kill Goliath, and um, God raised him up to be the king of Israel. Incredible, powerful story. Uh, just a young man who sought after God in every area of his life. He was devoted to God. He was desperate for him. And so God loved David's heart, in fact, he's referred to as a man after God's own heart. Just incredible, powerful man who was just sought after God. And so God appointed him to be king. Incredible story. But as you follow him as he lives out his life as king, 
you will notice a time in his life where he began to lose that in his life. He began to allow other things to be in the place of God. He allowed sin to come in and separate him from God. He was no longer seeking him first and putting him first in every area of his life. And so he ended up making some terrible decisions. He became an adulterer and a murderer and a liar and all of that and and a schemer and you name it. He was, it, it just fell away from God because he was choosing other things before God. And so he finds himself in this place where he no longer has that close communion with God and he is desperate to have it back. He had it. He had this close communion with God. He was so close to God, a man after God's own heart, and he allowed sin to separate him. And then he's in this place where he feels that separation and he's desperate to have it back and listen to what he prays to God in his desperation. In Psalm chapter 51, starting in verse 1, says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. That was his desperate prayer to God for that return to communion. He was missing that in his life. He knew it and he wanted it back and he was desperate and he cried out to God. He was a man after God's own heart, but he allowed things to come between him and God. And so I would ask you this morning, are are you like David? Have you allowed sin in your life to separate you? Have you allowed sin to take that place of God in your life? David was desperate for that communion with God back. And he prayed that desperate prayer of repentance that we just heard. And we, we can cry out to God in our desperation. We can choose desperation instead of letting life and circumstances choose it for us. So is your life reflecting that you are devoted to God? If not, I would say to you this morning, make the changes in your life to put him first. The second thing about desperate prayers is that they don't always yield immediate results. They don't always yield immediate results. There isn't always an immediate answer or an immediate result from these desperate prayers we're crying out. 
just because we're praying them doesn't mean things are going to change immediately. But we want that, right? We want immediate results. Our culture has gotten so used to this. We've just been in this place where we expect immediacy, right? We, we send a text and we expect an immediate response. And if we don't get it, we think something is wrong, right? We're like, why haven't they texted me back? What is wrong? They must not like me anymore. They must, you know, they must be dead, right? We just, if we don't get this immediate result, we, we just kind of freak out, right? So we're kind of used to that. If we send an email, we're expecting one back pretty quickly as well. I know we have just been accustomed to this, right, in our life. Even if we want something, we order it online, right? Amazon Prime, two-day shipping, hello, changes our lives, right? We get it immediately. I even ordered something the other week, and it came in one day. I was like, how does that even happen? <laughs> Click on my computer. The next day, it was at my door. And we are used to immediate results. Just, we just want that, right? So when something takes a while, when something takes time, we get frustrated. We wonder what's going on. We're praying these prayers and we're saying, God, did you hear me? Did you hear me? Hello, I've been praying for the last two days. Hello, did you hear me? We want immediate results. But sometimes... We're just going to have to wait. Just going to have to wait. So where in your life right now are you wanting immediate results? Maybe you're wanting a relationship restored. Maybe you need a better job. Maybe you are wanting some financial breakthrough in your life. Maybe you're wanting a child. Maybe you own a business and you're really wanting your business to grow and to flourish. Sometimes we just have to wait. We just have to wait. But there are things that we should be doing in the waiting. Listen to what Psalm chapter 5, verse 3 says. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning, I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. Also, Psalm chapter 130, verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word, I put my hope. So waiting, waiting is an active process, right? We can see from these scriptures, there's things that we're supposed to be doing while we're waiting, we're continuing to call upon the Lord. We are continuing to seek him. We're continuing to put him first in our life. We are reading his word and his scripture and filling our spirits with his words, right? There are things that we should be doing in the waiting. So how are you at that? We have resources for you here at Grace Church that, that we want you to be doing daily just like this. Whatever you're waiting for, whatever you're praying about, be seeking him. If you're not sure how you should be seeking him or how you should be praying, we recommend these prayer guides that we have for you. These are powerful tools for you. If you need your prayers to be more focused and more powerful, this is 
the resource for you. We want to equip you in your life to be able to do this, to cry out to him, to, to have your prayers have purpose and have power. There's ways you can do that. You need to be in God's word. We use the SOAP Bible study method. It's a way we get in God's word every day to find something for our life every day. God is speaking to you. You need to look, and it's in his word. You can get these resources anytime here at our Connection Center. These are powerful tools. There are things that we should be doing in our waiting process as we are crying out to God. And we're not going to give up when we don't get an answer right away. We're going to stay desperate before God. We're going to continue waiting on him. However long it takes, we're going to wait on God. However long it takes, we're going to continue to pray. We're going to continue to cry out desperately before him, however long it takes. We have to stay desperate, right? Stay desperate. There are situations in our life that, that we have to stay desperate in, right? One of those maybe for those of you who have a dog or maybe you got a puppy and you are <laughs> trying to get that puppy to pee in a certain place, right, outside, and you are staying desperate. You're staying desperate to teach that puppy to pee outside, right? And you're waiting and you're waiting, but you're staying desperate, right? I know our family, me and my boys, we are staying desperate to hopefully get a dog one day, even though the final decision maker in our house tells us no every day, we're staying desperate in the waiting. We're staying desperate. My kids know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, and the, the third thing that we need to do with our desperate prayers is we need to claim the promises of God. Claim the promises of God. God's word is powerful. His promises are always yes and amen. Always. He's going to do what he said he will do. And so do you know what that is? Do you know what he said he's going to do? If not, you've got to get in his word. You've got to read it. You've got to take it in. You've got to take in those promises of God. They should be part of your heart and your soul. You should be praying those out to God. We claim his promises. We claim his word because he can't lie. And what he said, he's going to do. It tells us in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried through? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 so God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. When we use God's word and his promises in our prayers, he has to fulfill it. He has to do what he said he's going to do. We don't have the power to accomplish the supernatural in and of ourselves. We don't have that power. But guess who does? God. And guess who spoke that out? Guess who spoke the supernatural into existence? God. 
And so when we use his words and his promises, there is power in that. If we look at Jesus and what he encountered in life on this earth, the reason that he was made a human in the first place, the reason that he was given a fleshly body that could feel everything we felt and could experience everything we were going to experience on this earth is so that we could look to him as our example. So Jesus faced temptation. Jesus faced desperation and desperate moments. And how did he handle that? What did he do? He is our example. And when we look at him and his life, there was a period in his, his ministry and in his walk where he went out in the wilderness for prayer and fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He was in the wilderness. And I'm telling you, if you've never fasted before, that is incredibly challenging to go without food, no food at all, only water. Incredibly challenging. And so here Jesus is 40 days and 40 nights without any food, and he's being tempted. The enemy's coming at him and tempting him. So what does Jesus do? He uses God's words. He uses God's words. He declared God's word in those moments of desperation. He didn't use his own words. He used God's words. Every time the enemy came at him with a temptation, with a trial, with a challenge, Jesus said, it is written. That was his response. And he quoted right from scripture. Every time the enemy came at him, he said, it is written. Listen to what God said. That's what Jesus did. He claimed God's words. He declared God's words in his moments of desperation. So using God's words is powerful because they have to accomplish what they were intended to accomplish. In Isaiah 55, 11, it says, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So do you pray scripture? Do you memorize scripture? Do you hide God's word in your heart? So in those moments of desperation, God's words can come right out of you in your situation. If not, I challenge you to do that. You have got to have God's word ready in these moments. I know I've shared with you many times, I have lots of journals and um, I brought a stack of them a, a number of weeks ago and shared some of that with you. But w one year I, ch I decided to just make a journal and actually just write out scriptures that I wanted to pray over certain things in my life. So I've got a huge section of scriptures I wrote out to pray and declare over my children, over my family, um, over you here. Um, you are a part of my life, and, and my husband and I love you deeply. We have scriptures we pray and declare over you. I have scriptures and prayers I declare over my husband. And so I decided to write them all out in this journal and then just using those to pray. And so um, I, I just, I have a bunch. 
I, I pray these over my kids. I pray Isaiah 54, no weapon formed against my children will prosper. 1 Corinthians 2, my children have the mind of Christ. Romans 12, they will not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by doing good. And they will be strong and courageous by the power of his might. They won't be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord, their God is with them wherever that they go, and he will never leave them. I declare those things. I use God's word. I pray over our family, 2 Thessalonians 2. Now may the Lord our Jesus Christ and God our Father bring comfort to our hearts and strengthen our wills to accomplish every good work and word. I declare that over our family. I declare over you, scripture, and pray that. Over my husband as well, I have scripture I declare over him. We need to use God's word. They are powerful. God's words are powerful, incredibly powerful. We can boldly declare them. We can boldly declare God's words. They are for us to use in our desperate prayers before him. If, if there's ever a time that we should be doing this, it is now, church. It is now. If you have not been keeping God first in your life, if you have not been in his word and praying and, and declaring his word in your life, in your situations and circumstances, in our community, in our church, in our nation, now is the time. Now is the time. Because what is it going to take? What is it going to take for you in your life? to get to the place where you're praying desperate prayers. Are you going to choose it? Or are you going to allow life and circumstances to choose it for you? I hope it's not the second. Because the second is going to mean you've gone through a lot of pain and a lot of heartache. Let's choose it. Let's decide to be desperate before God, to pray desperate prayers. So what is it for you this morning? You've you got to make a choice. Has God gotten out of first place in your life? Do you need to make some changes? Or maybe, maybe you're in the midst of waiting right now and you're getting impatient what do you need to do in the waiting? Do you need to be praying more? Do you need to be reading his scriptures? Or maybe you need to just begin to claim God's promises over your life. Maybe you need to write some down and just begin memorizing them so you can declare them. Today I would say anything. Choose desperation. Choose it. And so whatever that is, you need to start today. Decide today. Seek God first above all things. So as we close today, I'm just, I'm just going to pray over you. I'm going to declare and pray over you some of the scriptures that, that I normally do, uh, that you don't necessarily hear me praying over you. I'm going to pray that over you this morning. I want you to stand to your feet right now in this place. I want you to just turn your heart to him and desperation. 
Be desperate before God. And let's cry out to him together. Imagine, imagine what God can do through a whole body of people who choose to be desperate. Imagine what he could do. He does powerful things through people who are desperate before him. So let's pray. God, we love you. We worship you. We praise you. We thank you for who you are. You are a God who does what he says he's going to do. You are a God who cannot lie. And you've given us powerful words to declare in our lives, powerful words to, to use in our prayers before you, God. Whatever it is we're facing in our life, whatever situation we're going through, God, we just say today, just raise your hands up to him if you want to choose to be desperate before God today. Just raise your hands up. So, God, we say as your body today that we choose to be desperate. We choose to be desperate before you. We cry out to you with our whole hearts today, and we choose you. God, we need you to move in our lives, in this church, in our community, in our nation like never before. And it's going to require us to be devoted to you, fully devoted to you, putting you first in our lives, seeking you first above all else. And so, God, we pray that today. And, God, I just I want to declare 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 over everyone today. God, I know Pastor Aaron and I, God, we always thank you, God, for all of these people, God. And we pray for them constantly, God. And as we pray to you, our God and Father, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and your enduring hope that you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, we just pray and we lift up all of those here, God, that you would pour out your wisdom and your understanding and your grace upon us, God. God, that there would be power and strength as we come together and cry out in desperate prayers before you, God. That you would use us in powerful ways, God, that we would choose you and choose desperation every day. God, we choose it every day. And we just declare your promises. They are yes and amen, and that you do what you say you're going to do. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.